Christian circles about unity and you see people making decisions um, about unity and um, much of the talk about unity in the grand scope of things is um, is really not biblical. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But you notice Psalm 133, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Unity is very, very important to God. Um, He places a high priority on it. Jesus, in his intercessory prayer in John 17, prayed for unity. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3, it says we are to... Walk in the unity of the Spirit. We are to keep the unity of the Spirit. And throughout the book of Acts, in the early chapters of Acts, you will find numerous instances where the Lord said they dwelled together in one accord, or they were in, in, uh, had one mind. And He mentions that, and as a result of that, then the Spirit of God mightily worked. You know, we many times can ask God to do great things, but if we are unwilling to change and to love others, we are the ones standing in the way of revival. And it is interesting, as you look at Scripture When they were of one accord, then the Spirit of God moved mightily. And you'll read that, as I mentioned, in the book of Acts. Unity is one of the key ingredients of revival. But unity itself is not the goal. God's top priority is not unity no matter what. Unity... At any cost. God knows that unity is a byproduct. It's the result of something else. Christ realized that when he came, he would cause division. That there would be people that would react and rebel against him. And there would be others that received him. And in God's burden for unity, it's not a unity at all costs. It's not that unity itself is the goal. Okay, so let's find out what we agree on. No, we don't agree on that, so let's throw that out. We don't agree on that, so let's throw that. What do we agree on until you finally come down 
Well, we agree on these few things. Unity must be in agreement with God's Word. Aaron and the Israelites were united in the worship of the golden calf. But it wasn't a unity that God blessed. God places obedience to His Word above everything else. And although unity is a great thing, that unity must come under obedience to God's Word. Biblical unity is a unity of one mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And biblical unity is unity found in the local church rather than a universal unity. We're seeing, and maybe in the circles you run you don't read about it, but we're seeing a major push for there to be unity among Protestants and Catholics and other faiths and and uh, in understanding that the unity that God's addressing here that he addressed throughout scripture was unity to individual churches rather than this broad unity that throws out everything okay what can we agree on and honestly people are gathering around this fact we believe there is one God Well, do you understand the Muslims believe there is one God, the Jews believe there is one God, Christians believe there is one God, but we are 180 degrees apart on the major doctrines of the Bible. And in Christianity, there are you might start adding a few more things that people believe on, but what God's primary concern is that there be unity and throughout Romans and Corinthians and Ephesians and Philippians, all letters written to local believers with the local church, he was emphasizing unity. So, God places a high priority on unity, it in and of itself is not the goal because the unity must be in agreement with the Word of God. So we understand that Christ-likeness is what brings unity. When we are in step with Christ, that brings unity. I was thinking about this, and some of you enjoy it, some of you don't, but the the whole caucus process here in the state of Iowa, and the whole political thing, and all these people are are saying, "Hey, vote for our guy or vote for our gal or whatever else and and they're they're trying to unite a body that's big enough to um, swallow up the others. And, and they're, they're there vying for your joining them. And 
it ends up being quite divisive, and some people find out my candidate is just not going to make it. He's not a winner, but we won't call what he is, but he's not a winner, okay? So he's not going to make it. But they've developed such um, hatred for the others that they say, I don't know that I can ever picture myself joining in with them. And that's immaterial. To the point that I'm making, unity does not come in a church body by people gathering around this idea or this personality or this pastor or anything else. Unity comes as you move close to God and I move close to God and we come more like Christ then we will find we are in the same circle. We'll find there's a unity there. It, it is imperative that we understand the same standard is what brings unity. And it's Christ-likeness. It's understanding that um, two cannot walk together unless they be agreed, Amos 3, 3 tells us. You've heard people say, they're not on the same page together. They're not on the, well, you know, that'd be like we have two pianos here, and one's playing one page, 376, and this one's playing 377. There's going to not be harmony. There's not going to be, uh, it's not going to be pleasant to the ears. And in understanding The unity, if I'm going off my way and you're going off your way, it is not pleasant to the Lord's ears. He wants us to lay down our will and submit to Him and march to His drum, to march to His agenda. It's not about us. You think about it. If if this next week, Every one of us became more like Christ, we would have a greater unity from this Sunday to next Sunday. If we just keep moving closer to Christ, becoming more like Christ. That's what brings unity. It isn't it that it's the, the priority. We want unity, although we want that, but we want it by us drawing near to Christ. One of the unique things, I, I'm, I'm not an expert in this at, by any stretch. I'm not even a novice. I'm not even to that level. But in understanding the, the light waves, the thing that makes laser light so powerful is that the light beams are in sync. These light beams, they're just going everywhere. And we like it. It's spreading light. But laser that can cut through steel is a light, many light beams that are all in sync. They're united. There's unity there. And there is power in that. We are the light of the world. But if we're all just going our own way, there's no power in it. But as we not get on my agenda or your agenda, but as we get on God's agenda, 
Then we're in sync. The light waves are moving together and there is power there. And the Holy Spirit is the chief agent to bring Christ-likeness. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is not given to draw attention to himself. He said, I'm the quiet member of the Trinity. I am here to glorify Christ. And the Holy Spirit dwells within every one of us. When we got saved, the Spirit of God took up residence in us, and He now starts working in our life to say, no, this isn't, this isn't like Christ. This would be more like Christ. And as we listen to the Spirit of God, He moves us closer to Christ. So, as you are moving closer to Christ, and you are moving closer to Christ, and I am moving closer to Christ, the closer we move to Christ, the more Christ-like we become, the more united we'll be. Does it mean we'll see eye to eye on everything? No. Some people will always believe Fords are the best vehicles, okay? Some will always believe they're the worst vehicles. Some of us believe all vehicles are bad. They're just a necessary evil, okay? But the reality is, in the issues that matter, for an eternal perspective, as we become like Christ, there will be a unity there. The Holy Spirit teaches us What are the right thoughts? What are the right words? What are the right attitudes? What are the right actions? The Spirit of God is the one that teaches that. Now, there are a number of things that cause division. And I'm telling you, um, I have said before, you know You know the local church is God's design because as people, we have done enough to damage it and destroy it that there's no no explanation for the survival of it except it's God's work. And my heart is grieved when I when I hear of churches that that are fussing and fighting and splitting and and saying we had a backdoor revival, that doesn't honor God. And it, it gives God, it, it mars God's name in communities. And, and sad to say, all of us have been familiar with various things like that. And, and in realizing God places a priority on unity, on Christ-likeness, that brings that unity. But in realizing, what are some things, and I just want to quickly mention five things that, that cause division. There are many other things, but, and then I'll, I'll just wrap this up with, um, a summary of those five things. What causes division? Number one, people desiring power or desiring to be praised. And we don't have the time tonight, but let me just give to you a reference for each of these. 3 John, verses 9 through 11. 3 John, 
verses 9 through 11. And it, it mentions there, Diotrephes, who loved to have the preeminence. He wanted to be seen. He wanted to be noticed. Divisions come when people desire power or control or desire to be praised. Divisions come when people have moral impurities. 1 Corinthians 5.11 and Titus 2.11-12. through 12. Moral impurity causes division. Number three, people lacking a clear conscience. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, it says that, that we are to guard our hearts, that we always have a conscience void of offense, that we hold faith and a good conscience which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. I said 1 Timothy 1.9, it's 1 Timothy 1.19. But he said, hold faith. Boy, I am orthodox in what I believe. I believe all the right doctrines. Hold faith and a good conscience. It doesn't matter what you believe. If you don't have a clear conscience, your faith will end up shipwrecked. And people that do not have a clear conscience are instruments that Satan uses to bring division and to disrupt unity. Number four, people rebellious to authority. God says in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 23 that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 5 through 9, other verses that you can put down. Um, but he mentions Janus and Jambres who rebelled against um, the authorities that were, were placed over them. God really, really places a high authority on authority structures. And when we get out on our own and rebel against authority... God is not pleased with that. And God uses um, all kinds of authorities in our lives. It's, it's amazing to see God, re, God commended the man that came for, to him and said, would you, would you work in my life and my family and and he said, I am one who is under authority. I know you are the authority and you can command and they will do it because you are the authority. And when this man understood the authority and Jesus saw that, Jesus said to him, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. Why did he say that? Because he understood authority. One of the reasons I think David was called a man after God's own heart. We know David's life. Why was he called a man after God's own heart? David understood authority. He would not touch King Saul. He, he would not. They said, God's put him right into your hands. Kill him. He said, I cannot touch God's anointed. And when we have a rebellious spirit toward authorities in our life, 
It's going to be divisive in our lives, in a body, and so on. Number five, people with the wrong philosophy. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. And every one of these we could, we could do a series on, but Colossians 2 and verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, not after Christ. I mean, to have the wrong philosophy, especially when it comes to God's work, the wrong philosophy. God's work, a church, is not a business. It's not run like a business. We ought to run things decently and in order, but it, we have turned Christianity into marketing schemes. We don't need the Holy Spirit. Across the board, it's marketing. Look what we have to offer. Look what we have to offer. God's work is not that. And, and when there are wrong philosophies that enter in, there will not be a unity because there will be God's philosophy and then our wrong philosophies and it will be, it will be divisive. Unity only comes, to summarize, and we could list many other things that cause division. Unity only comes when we die to self and live for God. On Sunday nights, we're going to be going through some of the one another commands in the Bible that deal with us dealing with one another. And there will be some things that when we hear, it's like, I don't want to do that. But I am submitting to Christ-likeness. I want to be like Christ. And if this is what Christ wants me to do, then here we go. And it is that then that gets the laser light in sync together so that the power of God can be seen. You know, we, some, we pray for revival and we think it's God doing a work in the world. It's God getting us in line with Him. That's unity. And when we get in line with Him, He can turn that laser on the world and He can do whatever He wants with that. That's what the book of Acts is all about. They were of one accord, of one mind, and the power of God came. It doesn't mean that, that in, as I said earlier, in every detail we think the same. But we have Christ's Spirit. We are committed to God's ways. And that only comes through dying to self and living for God. So it's understanding the goal is not unity. The goal is Christ-likeness, and Christ-likeness will bring unity. And the agent that God has given to bring Christ-likeness is the Spirit of God. So we need to say, God, I want your Spirit to do a work in my life. I want you, as I'm reading the Bible, as I'm going through the study in the book of James, I want you to open my eyes. I want you to open my heart. I want your spirit to speak to me and change me and empower me. And God, I want, I need your spirit to make me like Christ. Lord, whatever is in my life, 
I want you to take it and use it. Show me what needs to be there. Show me what I need to put off. And you know, it's not so much about what others are doing, as we mentioned this morning. Hoe in your own row. Just take care of your row. You, you make sure you're drawn close to Christ and let God deal with the others. And as they draw close to Christ, and you and I draw close to Christ, there will be a unity that can show the power of God. In just a moment, we're going to go to prayer, our prayer time. Um, and I, I trust that your desire will be to be more like Christ. We're going to have um, them get the microphones and... Um, However God directs you to pray, initially this started as a prayer time for our nation, but um, however God directs you to pray, I, I, I'll begin and you just raise your hand while I'm praying, they'll get you a microphone so that we're ready to go right after one after another. You be ready.